Last week, we celebrated the fact that there is hope and that hope is available to everyone all the time and that it even happens around here. And the truth is that hope happens wherever we are. And my prayer this last week had been that you would recognize that hope, that you would not only recognize it, but sense it and be able to walk in it on a daily basis. And this morning, as we're following that up, there's no more appropriate thing to look at than faith. So we're looking this morning at the faith of hope. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn in uh, the New Testament to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. If you're using one of the Bibles that's uh, in the, the chairs in front of you, I believe it's page 1192 or 52, something with a couple of ones and a two in it. This is, uh, as I mentioned last week, the chapter of the Bible, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, is sometimes called the Hall of Fame of Faith. If you want to just be encouraged, read through Hebrews 11. See what many others have faced and the circumstances they were living in and under and how God came through. And as I was reading through that again several times this week, I was struck by that part later in the chapter where it says, and I don't have time to tell you about, and it lists about five or six individuals in how God worked in their lives. And I thought the same thing this morning. If we had a chance for everybody to share their moment of faith, even from this last week, we wouldn't really have time for that. But you ought to share it with somebody. Let them know what's happening in your faith. In verse 1, that's not necessarily a part of what we're looking at this morning, but we can't do this without looking at it. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you need an image of this, think ahead three months from today. You realize what day that is? Christmas. Now, the stuff shouldn't be in the stores yet, but three months from now, three months from today is Christmas, which means probably starting tomorrow, Hallmark will begin their Christmas movies, I assume. But, but picture ahead three months to Christmas Day. And if you don't have small children in your home or aren't going to the home of someone that has small children, just remember back. Presents wrapped, but they're told not yet. It's cruel what we do. Also a lot of fun as an adult. In our family, one of the traditions is you're supposed to guess what the gift is before you open it. And you're supposed to not shake it, but somehow people seem to do that in our family. 
what's amazing to me is especially the children. They see that present even though they don't know what it is yet. They're convinced of what's in that package because it's what they're hoping for. Now with that image in mind, listen to this verse again. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Does that describe your faith? That you're convinced and even living in assurance though you cannot yet see it? That's how God wants us to live. In that hope, in that assurance of his salvation, of his forgiveness, of his grace, of his mercy, of his power. And the list goes on and on. Abraham is written of prominently in this chapter for good reason. Beginning at verse 8, I want us to look at these five verses. Hebrews eleven eight. 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Our faith, can be demonstrated by what we see in these verses. First of all, your faith can be demonstrated by obedience. Verse 8, Abraham obeyed. That's enough of a passage right there. Abraham obeyed. And we know he obeyed because not just is it written that way, but also in verse 8 it says, and he went out. He was called to go out, so he went out. And verse 9 says, by faith he went to live. His obedience was demonstrated, was evidenced by the fact that he did what God called him to do. I saw a memory come up from several years ago where I had, had asked a question online about how is your obedience? Is it, you know, complete obedience? Is it partial obedience? Is it sometimes obedience, etc.? And my son responded and he said, I think there's only two options. You either obey or disobey. Don't you hate when your kids are right? 
kind of like surrender. We try to partially surrender. By definition, that's not possible. Because surrender is to give up, to give all. I can't partially give you everything. That's not a surrender. That's me giving you a little bit. Partial obedience is not obedience. It's me doing what I want to do. This says that Abraham, when called, went. By faith, he went to live in a place he didn't know and had never seen. See, faith is demonstrated by obedience. And this obedience is not to self, the things I want, but to the Savior. We don't struggle to obey ourselves. That's when we do what we want to do. We don't struggle to obey ourselves because when we obey ourselves, we're in control. And we like to be in control. Right? Right? Yeah, there we go. It's one of our biggest spiritual struggles to give God control. It's one of the reasons marriage is sometimes difficult to give to one another instead of everything my way. What's best for us, not just me. This obedience that shows and demonstrates our faith is not obedience to ourself and our desires, but to the Savior and his call. Now, obedience is not evidenced by my words. Obedience is not evidenced by my bumper stickers or which radio station I listen to. Those things can contribute. But obedience is demonstrated by your actions because your actions reveal your obedience or lack thereof. How many of us, when we were kids, when told to do something, by a parent, said, sure, and then didn't do it. It appeared we were being obedient because we said, sure. But our actions demonstrated disobedience. The same is true with God. In whatever he has called us to do, to be, and how he has called us to live, if we do that, that's called obedience. If we do anything else, it's disobedience. You can try to explain it away and call it partial or delayed, but let's label it for what it is. It's disobedience. Obedience is at the center of whether or not 
we exercise faith. Secondly, our faith is demonstrated by listening for our call. You see, each one of us has a personal calling. Each one of us has a calling on his life. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went, not knowing where he was going. Now some of us get accused of not knowing where we're going a lot. One of the greatest inventions in the last decade or two is the app on the phone known as GPS. The problem is many of us now don't know where we're going. We're just following a voice on GPS. And if the voice is wrong, we're in trouble. But the good news is God never gets it wrong. She sometimes does. I say she because mine has a female voice. God has called us to obedience, which means I must listen to his voice. I have to listen to his call. Abraham had a specific calling, and so do you and I. You see, there's a general calling that all of us have, and there is a personal calling that God has on everyone's life. The prophet Jeremiah got it right when he said, as God speaking, I know the plans I have for you. God has plans specifically for you with your name on them. And by the way, the rest of that says plans for a hope and a future. You have a call on your life. We have a tendency to only say those of us who are in pastoral ministry or missionaries that go somewhere are the only ones who have a call. Not true. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, is a call for all of us, the Great Commission as we call it. All of us have a general calling, but also all of us have a specific calling that he speaks to us, shows us, reveals to us. Sometimes it's for that day. Sometimes it's for that period of life. Sometimes it's for a lifetime. We have to listen for that call. We listen as we read the word. That's why I keep saying, be in the word and get the word in you. Not just to read it because I can check it off my Bible reading to-do list, but so that it can transform and change me. That's part of the calling. Part of the calling is as we pray, God, through his Holy Spirit, will impress upon you or speak to you. We have a calling, and sometimes it shows up in messages or lessons taught. Occasionally, through someone else. Often, through music that's been inspired by his word. But we have to be listening to hear it. 
as I said, some are time-specific right now. And some are for life. But you have to listen. You see, if I'm not listening, I'll be disobedient because I haven't heard what I'm supposed to do. Third, our faith is demonstrated by a willingness to leave our comfort zone. You see, we see this with Abraham and with Sarah's wife. They left their comfort zone. They went somewhere they didn't even know. To go to that place. Verse 9, by faith he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You see, this is not the end. God has not designed us to live here eternally. This is the temporary location. The eternal one is what he's prepared and continues to prepare in heaven for us. We're just passing through, but we have a job to do while we're passing through. This is not a hallway. This is where we are for now. So we do what we've been called to do on our way to where he has prepared for all of eternity. The power of of the knowledge of that, means I have to be willing to leave my comfort zone. It means, I realize this is redundant, it means not being in control. I'm repeating that because we struggle with that. And I mean the collective we. You, me, and all of us. We all struggle with that. To leave the comfort zone is to say, Lord, wherever, whenever, for whatever. Sometimes it's what we were hoping for, and sometimes it's nowhere near what we were hoping for. But it's where we're supposed to be. What I've discovered is, the more obedient I am to God's call, for a day, for a period of time, as well as for my lifetime, the better my life is. Well, not always in things that can be seen, but my life, my relationship with Him, and also my relationship with others. The most unhappy people in the world are those who are doing their own thing instead of God's thing. The ones who are in that moment in control instead of under his control. A willingness to leave our comfort zone, which means trusting God completely. Trust is not easy, is it? Some of us, it's more difficult than for others. You go, well, that's because, and I understand. It's because of past hurts. It's because of past times we've been betrayed. But God hasn't betrayed us. We sometimes think he has. Satan tries to tell us he has when it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. 
one of the tough things in praying for needs is to hear a testimony of praise in someone's life because it went that way they were hoping and praying for. And to realize that God is still God, even if it didn't go the way I hoped. Faith says, Lord, I trust you. And it's okay to add, but I don't understand. I say that a lot. Sometimes I can look back at some of those situations that I said at that moment, Lord, I don't get this at all. And I can now understand and go, that makes sense. Some of them I still go, I don't understand. But I am getting better at saying, but I trust you. For you see, he's never done anything to harm me. He's never done anything against me. But I've done a lot of stuff against him. And he still loves me. He still loves you. That's where that hope is that we looked at last week. Which is why I can have faith. And last. Faith is demonstrated by belief in God's promises. If you don't get anything else this morning, get this. Believing in God's promises, regardless of how long it takes or how unlikely it seems at the moment. Abraham and Sarah are the perfect example. God had promised them, you're going to be a father of nations. And they were old, older than me. So they were really old. And no kid yet. And notice it says about Abraham, Father Abraham. In this passage we read regarding Sarah believing in God, it said that God fulfilled that promise, meaning gave her a child she bore in her old age in her 90s. <laughs> a couple of you almost fainted. But look what it said about Abraham. It said through him and him as good as dead. That ought to be on an anniversary card, don't you think? Though good as dead, I still love you. Now you know why Hallmark didn't hire me. But faith is demonstrated when I believe in God's promises no matter what. Oh, it's a lot easier to believe them when it's going the way I think it should go. But it's still true. As I've told you many times, one of the most memorable things in my life in this area of faith was after my mom died at age 59. I mean, my mom accepted Christ at age five and never looked back. She and my dad had served in ministry for so many years and it just didn't make sense. But I can remember my dad telling me, this was a little while after mom died. He said, well, these things that I have taught and preached to others for years, I'm now going to find out 
if it's true. Three months later, I remember sitting down with him again and saying, Dad, do you remember this? He said, yeah. I said, so what have you discovered? He said, it's all true. It's not easy, but it's true. You see, God's promises are true. And they are for us, not against us. Just like his plans for us. You see, having faith or conviction in what we cannot see at this moment, that's faith and that's believing in those promises, though it doesn't make sense. That's believing in those promises, though I didn't think it would happen this way. That's believing in those promises, no matter what. That's what we're going to look at beginning next Sunday. God is still God, no matter what. But it takes a belief in those promises. It takes me trusting him, having that faith, that conviction, though I can't see it yet. And the proof of my belief in his promises is in my actions. Not my words. Not if I raise my hand on a song or not. But in what I do, how I live. How I live when I'm away from here. How I live when I don't think anybody's watching. How I live around others. How I live when things aren't going my way. That's when the character comes through. But it takes faith. And it takes faith in the hope of Christ. Because, as we started, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. Sometimes, it requires us to simply say, God, I don't understand. I can't see it yet, but I trust you. I don't understand. I can't see it yet, but I trust you by faith. Because I can't see it. I can't quite imagine it. And yet God said, here's my promise to you. How is your faith this morning? I ask you to stand. And I just wonder this morning if there are some of you that say, yeah, I like to sing about faith, but to be honest, lately my faith has been shaky. Lately, I haven't had much assurance about this faith. But I want to take a stand today saying, Lord, you're in control. I may not understand, but I choose to trust you. That is faith. As I close in prayer, I'm just going to ask if you're in that position today where you need to take a step of faith, 
even though you don't understand, even though there's some stuff going on that isn't what you want. But he's given a promise. I'm just going to ask you to come forward. You can kneel, you can stand, you can sit, but just in an act of obedience to him, not me, where you say, this is the day I take the stand of faith. Just come forward. If this is a moment, you may already be living in it. Rejoice and pray for these others. But I just ask you to come as we close this morning, saying, I take a step of faith, though I don't understand, though I can't see it right now. Lord, I trust you. Father, thank you for being trustworthy. Thank you for loving us so much that you have our best interest at heart always. I pray that you would speak to us clearly that those who've had some doubts lately about some things they thought you've promised, Lord, make it clear if you have or haven't. And Lord, may they even in their doubt trust you. May they even in their questions trust you. So Lord, in this moment, this day, we just make a declaration and say, I stand in faith believing. I can't see it yet. I don't understand it. But Lord, I trust you. And Lord, as we go from here this week, may we live this faith out. May our hope be evident by how we live and what we do. I pray that you would help some marriages to restore faith. I pray that you would help some parents and children to restore faith. I pray that you would help some churchgoers to have restored faith between them and your church. Lord, may we in faith live believing your promises above all else. Thank you for the power and clarity of your word. Thank you for speaking to us and loving us the way you do. And thank you for victory that is being won as we pray this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.